Welcome back to the Nerds from the Crypt, the podcast that reviews your favorite horror movies and sometimes not so favorite horror movies as well, um, and horror media. I'm your host, Saul. And I'm Greg. And uh, today we have a guest coming in to talk about, uh, well, today's movie, and actually the reason why we're, wa- we're watching today's movie, um, Chris Jerome, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing great. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're happy to have you here. And like I said, guys, if you guys have a movie you guys would like us to to, um, to review, just let us know. We'll be more than happy to take a look into it. Chris, I want to go ahead and ask you, what do you do? Um, where do you come from? What, what All that. Uh, well, I live in Oregon, so I'm actually not too far away from Greg. Um I met Greg at Eugene, uh, Yukon, actually, um, and read Junior Braves of the Apocalypse after that, and that's when I roundabout found this podcast. Um, I am a, uh, I'm an author and comic writer. I own a indie press called Dark Tidings Press. Uh, we publish my stuff. We've got a couple other authors in the fold, too. Um, and we focus on fantasy, science fiction, and horror. Primarily right now, um, I've been writing epic fantasy. That's what my main series is. Um, but I've got a horror webcomic um, that my friend that's a comic artist, we did a, we kickstarted a graphic novel that's tied into my fantasy world um, last year. And uh, we're working on this horror comic on the side that we've published one part of for free on Webtoon called Discordia. Um, and then I've got a horror script that I wanted to make into a film that I've been kicking around for a while, turning back into a novel. But um, primarily I'm a fantasy author, even though I I dabble in all the other genres. Um, My series, The Gods and Men Cycle, has got two full novels and then a bunch of short fiction and then the graphic novel that we funded on Kickstarter last year. I guess the first chapter of that, that comic you're talking about, that's the one you sent us? Yeah. So... Uh, Discordia, I've got an issue written. Um, I'm working through a couple issues. Our plan is to do a couple of these little shorts on Webtoon to kind of get some interest. And then we will uh, kickstart a full issue number one. Um, these shorts are just kind of world building. They're all they're going to tell different mm-hmm. stories in this um, secondary horror world that I've created. But when it comes time to kickstart the issues, I've got this actual overarching plot planned out that we're going to be, that'll actually be like a serialized sequential story. Um, but right now these shorts, you can just kind of read whichever one grabs your interest. So nice. Nice. Uh, I got to say that the, uh, the artwork and all that kind of just gives you that little eerie feeling as you're, you're reading the, that first comic. Yeah. Patrick is great. Um, he actually lives in Corvallis. So I'm, I'm up in Albany. He's only about 15 minutes away from me. Uh, we both went to Oregon state. Um, we didn't know each other in college, but we met through a Facebook group for alumni. That's like, Hey, job posting, stuff like that. And I wanted somebody to do some concept art to go with my books. And I posted an offer and then we, we met and had a beer and I found out that he's primarily into comics I was like, oh, man, it would be really cool to do a comic set in my world. And so he did the graphic novel with me. And as we were doing that, he's like, yeah, I, 
I think my, I like doing fantasy, but I think my style lends itself to horror really well. And I was like, well, <laughs> I've got some ideas for that too. So that's how we jumped into that. Um, you know, with the, with the stuff set in my world, I'm a little stricter with like, Hey, here's how many panels I want. This is what I see going on. But with this horror world, I really wanted to be super collaborative between the two of us. Mm-hmm. So, um, my scripts are way looser and we're kind of world building together, bouncing ideas off each other. He's like, Hey, I don't think that I like this, or here's what I think the monster should look like. Cause I want to kind of play with the design. So even though I'm, I'm writing and I kind of came up with this world, I'm, I'm making sure that we're, we're making it together. So that's cool. That's kind of the same story we heard with Casey and in, in hollowed. He yeah. like the first first issue. He was a lot more uh, strict with what he wanted and what he was looking for. And then the second issue, since he's already has that, I guess, relationship with uh, the artist, they've uh, opened up a little bit more to allow the artist to be to draw what he thinks he needs to draw and delete what he need, thinks he needs to be deleted. Yeah, and I I really like that process. Um, when we do the sequel to Tarnished, which was our uh, graphic novel last last year, um, I'll still probably take a little bit more control, like I did the first time, just because it has to fit in with my pre-established mm-hmm. lore. The designs have to be a certain way because it's got to match the novels. You know, I want it to be fairly seamless. Um, whether you just read the comic set in that world or you read just the books or you read both. I want the experience mm-hmm. to kind of be the same, but with this Cordia, I've just like, just run with it, dude. You, you do what you <laughs> need to do. You're, you are the visual artist. You know what the storytelling needs to look like to get the, get the scares. I'm just, I'm just coming up with the ideas and the dialogue, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, it's it's gotta be nice too. When, when you're, you're able to put the, put the idea in the artist's hands and the artist just kind of, you know, gives you, this uh this representation of the that the idea but it's just slightly tilted um a little bit but you're like oh hey that's not that that that's totally what i what i wanted but in a different way but it totally it totally does the thing oh absolutely and that's i get that with my book covers too where i'll be like hey here's what i want on the cover of this book and then they'll come back with like better than I had imagined it. And I'm like, Oh man, I am so glad that I gave you a, a more vague idea instead of just like <laughs> put, put this here and this here. Cause it's 10 times better this way. <laughs> right. So Chris, what is your history with the, the honor the horror genre? Um, so as a kid, um, my, my dad is, was kind of big into horror. Um, I mean, I guess he still is, but, I don't watch movies with him all the time anymore because we live on opposite sides of the state. But uh, growing up, we, um, my brother and I were exposed a lot to like classic monster movies. Uh, My parents Mm. were big into older films. And so we watched a lot of like the universal monsters. Um, And every Saturday night we watched... I, I can't remember what it was called. I don't think that we had like a local horror host, but it was that type of like time slot where they'd play like two monster movies back to back. It had a name. It was like Saturday monster mash or something like that. Um, and yeah. we would watch that every single week. And it would usually have something like house of Frankenstein or the Wolfman or something followed up by Godzilla. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And <laughs> gotcha. That's kind of how I got into it. And then um, my dad would watch 
more adult scary horror that I wasn't supposed to see, but I would like sneak out and, you know, be like, Oh man. And I'd be freaked out. And then I I wouldn't want to watch it again. But um, (laughs) that kind of kind of like sparked this, this desire for it. I don't know if it was because it was (laughs) forbidden or just because the ones that I did get to watch, I really liked. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I got into horror on the reading side too, like HP Lovecraft. Um, surprisingly I just started getting into Stephen King, which is weird because that's something my parents had a whole bookshelf of. And I don't know why I never, I was always reading fantasy as a kid, but um, I now horror is one of my favorite genres, which is really funny because I'm super squeamish. Um, I can deal with gore in comics. I can deal with gore uh, written in novels and stuff. It doesn't really bother me, but when it comes to movies, like there's just certain things um like I was, well, I was listening to a previous episode of the podcast uh, when you guys were talking about Starlight, and then a couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. so you were talking about uh, fingers really bothering you, and you can't deal with yep. like, <laughs> st- like for me, I think it's like fingers, uh, throats, depending on what's being done to them. Uh, I-, I don't know. There's there's little gore things like that that really bug me, and then there's other stuff that that doesn't. Um, so I, I kind of pick and choose with my horror movies because I love the aesthetic. I love being scared, um, but I don't like being super grossed out. So some of my favorite recent horror films are things like Insidious or The Conjuring, where mm-hmm. um, the gore isn't necessarily the focus. I have a, I don't want to say like a clinical fascination, but like I, I like the idea of slashers. I, I like the... Um, I don't know. I like, I like the view, but (laughs) I don't (laughs) like the, you know, the gore. Like I keep having this, um, Facebook keeps advertising this mix mixtape massacre game to me where you play as slashers and run around it. And I think that just looks dope as hell. Like I want to play that game, but (laughs) I'm not going to sit down and like watch the, the movies that inspired them, even though I can appreciate the references. (laughs) Gotcha. So (laughs) it's, uh, Talking about the finger thing, I, I was telling my wife the other day. I was talking about my wife and and her and my sister in laws, and I was like, I can't do the fingers. I can't. I don't know what it is, and I think I think I figured it out. If, if, when I was a, a kid, I had my my um, finger smashed in the door, oh, and then yeah. um, I had one of my fingers broken by uh, a flag football flag. Uh, so I feel like it, that's where where it uh, it all comes from. So. Yeah, I, I can see. I can see all the gore in the world. It's just the fingers I can't deal with. It's like <laughs> fingernails. That's like uh, yeah. I was watching Stir of Echoes. That that scene where the fingernails break off. Ugh. I, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I I think like it, again, childhood trauma. I similar similar thing. Like I broke my finger. Like I smashed uh, my fingers with a rock, smashing matchbox cars. And I remember having to go to the hospital to have the. The, the nails pulled out of my my the fingertips oh. and you know you <laughs> like six years old or whatever that kind of thing sticks in to your brain and you know watching somebody's fingernails break off and then also in other movies where they pull them out you're like uh mm-hmm. like so you sent that that thing about the 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 uh, hangnail the other day and I was like as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as, as, soon as I saw that meme I was like. Uh. <laughs> I and I sent it because that, that grossed me out. I was like, yeah. why? I hate you so much, dude. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I get uh, bad hangnails. And, oh, 
and I reached into a box and I'm like you know, stuck in the house, stuck in the house board and clearing boxes and stuff. And I reached into a box and I, 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 I just hit my thumbnail just right. And it, uh. it, it just, it just split it down the center and it just did this thing where like, you know, it just like starts to unravel the thumbnail and it did exactly oh. what that, what that, that meme did. And I was like, damn it, Saul, it's all your fault. <laughs> So now, now I'm like sitting here playing with this big old long piece of flappy skin and a broken. <laughs> Sorry to make everybody uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it was it's all um, bloody. Oh, what was that Netflix show a couple years ago that was about the werewolves and then the uh, the kid is a vampire at the high school? Uh, um, Hemlock, Hemlock Grove. Hemlock Grove. Yeah, and my wife really wanted to watch it. We sit down for that first episode, and within like five minutes, the werewolf's dragging a gal, and her fingernails break as she's trying to like yep. stop herself. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. quit watching. I was, I'm out. I said, I'm out, dear. I'm, I'm gone. And I, she watched the rest of the show by herself. <laughs> You're like that. That's what got you. Not the, not the weird like voyeuristic vampire mother thing. Not that, but the fingernail. Yeah. Well, I didn't make it to that. You know, oh, I came okay. back. I, I yeah. came back in and saw those things as she was watching. And I'm like, oh, this show's kind of weird. But uh, yeah, it was the fingernail that I had to. I had to pull the plug. So yeah. <laughs> like, welcome back to the fingernails podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we got rid of plates and trains. Now it's nothing but fingernails and hangnails. There you go. <laughs> Do you want to oh, know the man. irony? Is the box that I was going into? Guess what it was, Saul. Guess. Uh, I don't know. You're gonna say plates, plates? but it was actually trains. Plates and trains. It was. It was, it was actually. <laughs> it trains. was trains. It was trains. I'm getting rid of all my trains. What? I know. Oh, sad wow. day. oh that's sad. I know. I know. We sad just got day. a bunch of train stuff for my toddler. So. Uh, How about the plates with the trains on them? No. Well, I can't get rid of those. Those, but the the trains have to go too much trains too many i want to go ahead and just do a, a quick pause before we officially start the podcast i'd like to remind everyone that we can you can head out to the t public store to support the podcast by purchasing any of our merch we have three designs you could choose from t-shirts stickers mugs and much more uh click on the link in the description for the episode to get to that store Buy the and yeah um Send us send us a picture of you in the shirt, and we'll post it on on the on the Facebook page and on. Uh, I'm actually working on the website a little bit more, so I'll I'll see about posting more on there um, with our fans. So um, today we're going to go back to 1998 with the supernatural detective thriller film Fallen. Oh, yeah. uh, the film stars Denzel Washington, John Goodman, Donald Sutherland, James Gandolfini, and Elias. I can't say his last name. Coteus. Uh, Cotus, is that what it is? I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. I just know him as Casey Casey Jones. Right. That's, <laughs> that's what, <laughs> there you go. That's what Anne said when she saw. It. She's like Casey Jones. <laughs> I was like, I know he's come out in so many more movies, but that's just the nostalgic uh, feeling I get from him when I see him. I'm like, ah. Right. Right. Um, but anyways, uh, Chris, can you tell us when you first saw Fallen? So going back to uh, going back to watching horror movies with my dad. Um, I don't want to date myself, but uh, <laughs> I was I was a kid when this came out, and I remember my dad watching it on TV. Um, and the scene that always like stuck into my brain, besides the end, which I don't want to jump over myself to, but um, was when he goes to the cabin and he like takes the 
the paint thinner and like wipes the wall off and sees the demon's name and everything. Um, that like that movie scared the crap out of me as a kid. I just thought it was really frightening, even though watching it now it's, I almost felt bad. I was like, okay, well this is horror adjacent, but this movie isn't really like <laughs> horror horror. I'm like, what did I just suggest to these guys? Um, so that's when I watched it as a kid. And then uh, my wife is super into movies with angels and demons like Legion, Gabriel, even if they're not good, she just likes the concepts. So when we were dating in college, I was like, Hey, we should watch this movie. And we, we watched it and I was like, okay, yeah, this movie is actually pretty good. I'm glad that I had this like nostalgia for it and it wasn't misplaced. And then I had the same thing now. Cause that was years ago and I watched it a couple days ago for this. And I was like, okay, hopefully I didn't suggest a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> I no, there's been, there's been a couple where like, um, I wouldn't mind doing an episode with y'all. Can we do this and this? I'm like, um, we, we can, but we're probably going to crap all over it. If that, if that happens. <laughs> So we're like, how about we do this instead? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. And I, at least for me, I when I watched it again, I'm like, no, this is pretty good. But then I was like, it's mm-hmm. probably not as straight horror as what I, for some reason, remembered. Um, I mean, I pulled it up on IMDb, and there's like six genres listed. Horror isn't one of them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oops. Uh, but Supernatural. Supernatural's in there. So. Yeah, yeah you kinda- know. When you think about it, though, that's sometimes sometimes it's it's the the thing that gives you that eerie feeling, right? And it it doesn't necessarily have to be super. Like I think that's what got me when I watched this when I was younger uh, was that it it had that it wasn't it wasn't jump scary. What in that sense it wasn't like grotesquely scary, but it was there was that that lingering feeling about the film, and it it just. It, it's continually building on that. And it's like, uh, <laughs> so and I'll, to be honest, I don't, re- I didn't recall this film when you first suggested it. I didn't recall that. I couldn't remember anything about it. And, and it wasn't until Fallen movie with the, the, <laughs> the other, the, <laughs> which one are you talking the, about? The teenage one with the, you know, like, so, Oh, I, that one did come up when I was looking, looking for, for the <laughs> <Yeah>. trailer. <laughs> that was That's a why couple, David couldn't uh, join us today because he watched that one. He watched the wrong one because that was the other thing. When I looked it up on IMDb and I saw there was another movie with that name and I was like, oh, well, that could be awkward. <laughs> you guys are all talking about that, a different movie. And I'm like, uh, I should have clarified. <laughs> so, no, but as soon as I played the trailer, I was like, how did I receive this movie? And then I saw the, the whole premise of the, the touching. I'm yeah. like, oh, yes, I do remember this. I do remember seeing the trailer for this. I just never watched the movie. So this is the first time I actually watched the movie. Oh. And I'm, I, it was, I was pleasantly surprised. I'll, I'll, I'll just throw, out the, throw that out there. I know that the movie didn't do well in theaters, and I have my theories as to why, and we'll talk about that later on in the, in the, in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I had, think I, I have uh, a feeling of why people – didn't really flock to it after the first or what I think three, two weeks, I believe they did well for the first week, mm-hmm. uh, well enough for the first week, second week, it dropped down big time. Then after yeah. that, it just really fell off the radar. And I think I know why, but, but we'll, we'll talk about it uh, later on. I'm amazed because it's a star studded cast. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I was like, man, this, this film is, yeah, this, this film was, is, um, is full of, of, 
of um, movie stars. The only one that I didn't really like the character of was was uh, Gandolfini. I oh, didn't yeah. like his character. <laughs> Oh, I, he was, he was, I mean, it's was, supposed to be right, but yeah, right. Treated, he did a good job there. Then. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Was, he, there to make you not like him. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was going to be something worse, more like as the movie played out. I thought he was going to. There was there was moments where oh yeah, but I thought it was going to be like that twist in the uh, well, not really so much of a twist, but the the uh, end of days where his oh. uh, his partner ends up turning on him. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember that movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a yeah. that's another okay. that's another yeah that's another that's another movie that also fits into this slightly adjacent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It kind of, yeah, it, it is pretty much except that one is more with the end of the days, uh, like the movie says. But this was more. Wait, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's more of thanks for of, the spoiler. Uh, oh man, end of the days. Uh, I thought it was well, just after the word, five uh, o'clock. <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's true true uh, happy hour yes um <laughs> oh it was at six sorry after happy hour so, seven seven sorry oh there you go yeah yeah okay. it's all day happy hour during quarantine guys what are you talking about <laughs> okay you're right you're right gotcha. well that's what i've been telling these guys is that that uh i i haven't been able to just um being quarantined i've i've actually had to go to work because i'm considered essential and uh like we work from home every other day pretty much uh-huh. And go back into the office every other day, oh, man. and um, I, I feel like I've been busier now more than ever, and I, I don't know if it's because because of it, it feels like I'm going into the office a lot more often because that's one day I'll be here at home. I'm yeah. still working from home. It's oh, just man. that it's, it's just it's just it feels different for some reason. I feel a lot more stressed. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. dude. Okay, so you're essential, essential. <laughs> I tell everybody I'm basic. Well, <laughs> Are you trying to give me a, a, a pun name or a, yeah, a demon yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to give you a pun name. It's terrible. It's not working. Just, it's <laughs> almost like a superhero name, given the circumstances. So. Yes. There you go. I'll just go with my, my other, um, what's it called, YouTube name, Perspective. There you go. Yes, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the, the movie... Um, I guess we'll, we'll we'll start off right 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 how we feel about the movie as far as the way it's shot. I enjoy the movie cinematography. It even even the updated where it up to go to HD. It looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it the only thing I think that didn't age well with the movie is because back in the day it was a little bit grainier. So when yeah. they switched over to the to the demon POV. It was that was even a little bit more greenier, so that that part didn't didn't upscale as well as as the rest of the movie, which is fine, I guess. It, it gives you a different view, gives you a different feeling um, whenever you're in that POV of a of Azazel. Yeah, and I was reading that they shot the Azazel POV with um, something with like a lower frame rate, so like each frame was exposed four times, I think, which is part of the reason that it looks so funky. Mm-hmm. Um, which it, it's a cool effect, but uh, it, it, it did feel a little dated to me. Um, I don't know where you guys watched it. I watched it on um, my Amazon Prime account. I signed up for the free trial of stars. And they did, did some, <laughs> yeah, and the, I don't know if you noticed, the aspect ratio changed for one scene and then changed back. Weird. So mm-hmm. I was I was looking into that because I was like, was that like an artistic choice? Because I I doubt it because it only happened once. 
Um, with uh, with Denzel, right? Yeah, towards and, the beginning. Think, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, right <laughs> in the beginning. And and I looked into it, and because it, it it changes from sixteen nine down to like two thirty five one, and I think that uh, when I was looking into it, that's the aspect ratio it was shot in. So I think stars or whoever like actually was cropping it. And so we lost a little bit of image the way we were watching it. And they just did a half-assed job and didn't crop that one scene to be 16 oh. by 9, which is why it shrank <laughs> back down to the the uh, theatrical aspect ratio. So that was that was a little odd. Um, <laughs> but that's not the movie's fault, uh, as far as I can tell. That, that well, going into that, uh, I've been watching a lot of nostalgic TV on Hulu. Yeah. And I was watching Family Matters the other day. And every once in a while... Every once in a while, you'll go because they've, like I said, they they tried to make it look as clean as possible. And every once in a while, you'll go back to like the old school view, and I'm like, what is going on with this? And from what I understand, is just that that particular shot um, was done with a different camera, and they can't, they weren't able to, to um, what's it Get called, it uh, clean it up, yeah. or or they no longer have the footage or the film to be able to do it. So it's like it, it's jarring every once in a while when, you, when you're seeing it nice and clear. And then all of a sudden it goes back to like I'm watching it back on the tube TV. <laughs> yeah, because they don't have like an original negative to go back to probably. So yeah. they're just have which, some kind of video master, which is nowhere near as good. <laughs> which there's two two things that happen on this film. Uh, I don't know if you if you read about it. Uh, the very first day of, of shooting, they were already a day behind. <laughs> Oh really? And it had to do with with their truck getting stuck in the. Uh, I think the first thing that they tried to film was the cabin scene. Oh okay. And so they're up in the uh, middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and they, it started raining the day before. So when the when the truck started driving that way, it got stuck. Oh man! <laughs> by, the, by the time they were they were able to get to where they needed to get to, uh, it was already night, so they couldn't film. So they're like day one, they were already day behind. Jeez. Oh, and the second one was the. I believe it's towards the end when when Denzel's character uh, is talking to his nephew. Uh-huh. They they film the the part where they're talking and don't worry about the um, about what you hear and all that. Yeah. So they sent that off to to get processed and so forth. And the carrier lost the audio. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so they had to do they overdub that then? No. Well, the thing is that they put out they put out um, listings looking for the audio, uh-huh. and apparently. Uh, Quite a, that happened quite a bit because people came up with like, oh, I found this, I found this, I found this, but it was never the the right audio, of and <laughs> they had to reshoot it because oh, they go that they they were going to try to to dub it, but they're like, no, it's not going to sound right. Yeah. Um, what is it called, ADR or something? Like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said that it was not going to it was not going to feel right, so they just had to reshoot it. So it's like two things in this film that they kind of just like, man, what the heck? And Zazel was trying to stop him. Exactly. Didn't want to be seen. <laughs> He was holding out oh. for that uh, royalty check from his voiceover work. Oh, that- right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I mean, like the whole basis doesn't want to be seen, and you know exactly. He doesn't want people to know about him. Yeah. Yep. And well, let's let's talk about the whole like not not just the opening scene, but the whole like first little act here, and with um, with Elias, with, which I'll just call him Casey Jones. Casey Jones. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's he's going in for his ex- execution. Well, first of all. We hear uh, Denzel Washington saying, "Let me tell you about the time that I almost died," and then he goes back into go back goes back in time to the, this point where he is uh, where Denzel Washington is getting ready to go see talk to the the um, 
serial killer he helped catch. He's going to go in. Um, he's going to get executed. John Hobbs is going to talk to Edgar Reese. John, yeah. Um, man, this guy plays that serial killer so creepy, oh, so dude, yeah. um, convincingly. I think that that he's out of his mind. It was and, it was solid. Yeah, and he did a good job of not uh, like like I feel like a lot of serial killers around this time period are trying to just riff on Hannibal Lecter, and mm-hmm. I felt that this was a unique enough that it didn't like. You get the same idea, like he's unhinged and dangerous, even while being behind bars. But I didn't feel like it was like a Silence of the Lambs, you know, Mm-mm. knockoff. <laughs> I felt like it was more like, uh, as far as like, like when, if you're going to say like off, off, off their um, off hinge, it was a bit more like Charles Manson and Eileen. Eileen, I can't say her nothing. We're no. Um, where they're like talking, you know, crazy things, and you don't even know what what they're talking about. Yeah. But he he still kept his um like you can still tell he was he was being smart about it. Like so it didn't look like he was like totally yeah fifty yeah. percent of the time totally like makes sense and it's 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 like very cognitive uh, speech and mm-hmm. and very together in there and then all of a sudden it's like way off the rails and it's just gibberish and, and just random random spatterings of thought it's like what i don't know <laughs> and then he's i was like and then his uh his song yeah. <laughs> song of choice <laughs> it was the when whenever they kicked into like the um the image like the 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 pov and stuff like that and even that like the walk down um the the sentencing walk or whatever you want to call it not the sentencing walk but the the walk um from cell to cell or down to his death cell it had that feel like of um just waiting for like i was waiting for the beastie boys to drop because it has that (laughs) like the way the cuts were and stuff the way that the editing was done is such a it, it had that that throwback to like a 90s uh hip-hop video so yeah it, it did kind of feel that way because he was definitely enjoying being the center of attention while he's using up his uh vessel you know? right, so, right. yeah. <laughs> and i really like um apparently that's not just him i would guess since later in the movie when he's like describing azazel to the uh you know, supposed expert. She's like, did he try to touch you? Does he like to sing? So uh, <laughs> demons must be musical in, uh, in the fallen world. <laughs> <laughs> well, since they, I guess since they, they don't have a body, they like to, to, um, they like to, what's it called? Uh, express themselves when they, once they get a host. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that whole moment right there with, with her and the expert and that explanation and, and, and description and stuff like that, that's, that's one of the things that kind of stuck with me. Cause like when I got as after I saw this movie and then later on, as I'm walking around in real life, I'm starting to be weary of like folks in, in the public, you know, I'm out grocery shopping, people are humming and singing and whistling. And I'm like, oh crap, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> are they, have they been touched? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that with me, like I hear people singing, then I start humming the same song. I'm like, ah, oh, crap! <laughs> so you're, those so are worms. You, you, so you, you never are, know. You, you, you well, I don't know. Maybe well, I am. I just it, don't know. It, it, it passes. It passes along. Mm-hmm. It's a virus. It's like a virus. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, so the the uh, what what uh, what's his name? Um, the the serial killer. Edgar Reese. Reese. Yeah. Reese. Um. 
Yeah, so so Edgar Reese is, is executed. He uh, gas chamber. Uh, when was the last time I I even heard of a gas chamber being used? But anyways, um, yeah, that was horrible is, to watch. <laughs> oh <my laughs> exactly. Gosh. I don't know how people can actually sit there and watch that happen. I mean, I don't see how I don't see how people can watch anybody get executed. But I feel like that one was was like, ugh, it just yeah, it just rough. gets to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, he. I guess we figure out later on that he can still pass after death as long as it's within pretty much like a sixth of a mile is what they kind of calculated. Yeah. And um, that whole scene cubits. after, yeah, that whole thing right there where after he's died, dead, right, we get a little, uh, we get a couple of, of seconds, we get like 30 seconds of that POV shot or different different style of, of, um, of cinematography where it like it really unnerves you because you don't you don't know what the heck is going on it has a different type of editing or, or shooting style it has a different type of music mm-hmm. um and this is pretty much him looking for a host right and he gets yeah. into the, the one of the guys that's pretty much taking them out of the uh, one of the guards is pretty much what it is um any anybody here other than i guess say let's say denzel washington you guys thought that stole the show um, you know, I actually thought that uh, John Goodman did a really good job, especially when he ends up getting possessed by Azazel. Um, mm-hmm. The way that his mannerism changed. Like, everybody that got possessed did a pretty good job of mimicking the same behavior pattern. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end, when it was him, I think there was just some real emotional weight there that he carried because you're like, oh, man. You know, I mean, it's the same way that Denzel reacts, where he's like, Jonesy, no, you know, and, it, and yeah. I feel like uh, John Goodman really pushed that forward with his own acting chops that, you know, when I was watching, I was like, damn it. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. The whole um, possession portions of this movie where they go from one place where not only not necessarily when it's from one person to one person, but when it's the, like these prolonged scenes where it's going from one person to one person to another person to another person, I felt like it was done so well. And no matter what I, I, when I was reading what people were thinking about this, no matter if people thought it was a good movie or people thought it was, uh, that they didn't like the movie. One part that they all seem to like is this, these scenes, where all of a sudden people turn around or even if they weren't, it was that first scene where, where it's just transferring from one person to the other person. You can tell the difference in the people. Yeah. The second time they do it, it's uh, you, you, you see them turn around and talk to, to Hobbs. And like you said, they get that personality. Either they, either they talk to him directly or they sing the song or anything like that. And they did a fantastic job in filming that. Yeah. I believe, from what I understood, they actually use um, dancers because they want needed it. They wanted it to be nice, uh, nicely choreographed. Oh. So they use dancers to help, um, at least in the first the first scene, Get to kind of help. Yeah, yeah, because it was very like fluid from one person to the next person to to where it was going back and forth. Well, that makes a lot of sense because yeah, if if you're touching somebody and you're and you're doing that connective chain all the way through then you would need that, that kind of, uh, I want to say, um, uh, uh, I can't think of the word. It's not there. It's in my head, but it's not there. Curses. Okay. <laughs> I give up. 
Skill set. There you go. <laughs> it's not the word I was looking for, but skill set works. <laughs> it, it will do. It will do. Yeah. It will do. Passable. Oh, Donna Sutherland, I feel like does a really good job in this as well. Yeah, he, he did. He plays a good um, a good boss. Like he's 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 willing to be helpful and understanding, but also a little skeptical as to like you know what's going on. It's like I I asked my wife if she wanted to watch it with me because yeah. she's not a big fan of horror, but she'll watch some horror with me. Yeah. Um, but she won't watch like supernatural stuff. Uh-huh. So as soon as I saw the the what's it called the um, the trailer, I'm like, yeah, you're not gonna want to watch this. But she's a big fan of like Law and Order and mm-hmm. and NYPD Blue. Oh yeah, and I, I was looking at it like this. This feels a lot like NYPD Blue. The way it, the way it is, it's it's a it's a lot more procedural, a cop yeah. procedural than than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and it just it goes. It's, it's like NYPD Blue but with like a supernatural twist to it. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so so it had it did have a different feel for it. But I I I liked it because I could, I enjoy those type of shows too. I enjoy that kind of movie, um, movie as well. So, yeah, I, I would encourage anybody who likes that kind of movies to watch it as well. Yeah, because I was like when I was talking to my wife um, a couple of days ago about it, I was I was like, you know, it's almost like, uh, I mean, the the murders aren't anywhere near as graphic or anything, but it almost made me feel like it was a seven if John Doe was actually a demon. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and this is like, a the subgenre of horror that I like that I kind of like made up this little subgenre myself, like investigative horror where the, the horror and the fear isn't from like jump scares or the, the monster like hunting you as much as the horror comes from the investigation. Like, tons of horror movies there's an investigation as like a b plot where they're like okay how do we kill this thing whatever Mm -hmm. but like these types of stories the investigation is the absolute focus and that is the that's where the scares come from as the character slowly uncovers more about what this thing is um and i think that might go back to my my like of lovecraftian fiction growing up and stuff is like there's things we're not supposed to know. And as soon as you know them, Mm -hmm. you go nuts. And that's the scary part. And, um, I feel like this falls into that. Like he keep Hobbs keeps wanting to find out what's going on. And then Greta's like, if you love anybody walk away now, if you value your life, walk away, you don't want to know what you're looking into. And I love those types of stories where you've got somebody that's smart uncovering clues. And that's where the horror comes from. It's like each new clue is a little horror thing. Like, it's not Azazel behind the curtain with a knife that's scary. It's finding out that this is actually a demon that you probably aren't going to be able to kill. And he's done this exact same thing 30 years ago. So. Yeah. Well, that, and, and that's the cool part too, is that he, as, as uh, Hobbs is like going through all this and he's like, unra- he's, he's unraveling the mystery, but he's also unraveling it as himself. You see that you see mm-hmm. this man who's like chasing shadows and, and being overly, hyped about you know his his senses are just like he's 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 hyped up about everything and right when he he became he becomes comfortable for a moment that's when everything kind of like he he kind of like he lets his guard down and it's like done (laughs) i was there was one part where i was like where i was like oh please don't tell me they're gonna do this where i thought they were gonna do a a whole um romantic subplot uh and i'm like no you know what i'm glad that they didn't do it (laughs) Because <laughs> I feel like every movie, every movie does that. So I'm glad that they decided not to do that. Even though I feel like it might have gone that way if um, if the ending was a little bit different. Um, 
Hold on. I, could, yeah, I, I, I can was, see that. I lost I my could, train of thought. I could I could see where if they did, it, it could have gone that way. And I'm but I'm also with you where it's like no, it's it's good that they just kind of went off and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, hey, do do what you do best. Continue to hide and, and take care of him. And going back to what Chris was saying, the whole thing that we like in this in, in, in the podcast is the people monster, right? Right. That's our favorite type of horror is the the monster next door. And this kind of adds a little to that because it is a, a monster next door. Ooh, it is the person yeah. next door, but there's a little bit more to it now. Uh, is it is it trying to say that all the stuff that happens around us, is it more because we not because we are inherently evil or anything like that, but because there's things inside of us that cause us to do stuff like that. There, right. there, there the serial killers around here, that that's what it comes from. And I, I like, I like that weird take on it. I mean, it's a demonic possession or like this. She's when, when she's explaining everything to, to him about, about this. And it's like, Oh, Hey, you know, fallen angels. And they, they, they do these things and they, they're trying to seek that, that grace again, or that, 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 um, you know, being in that, that spotlight or whatever. And, and you see that, that, that theme in other, other stories as well. And I, I think that's what kind of draws you to those, those stories too, because it's interesting, but also gives you that fear factor of like, Oh man, like you just said, so if, if that's the case, then are there more out there? And cause this is one of those things I love movies and especially horror where I can see some parallel to a real world thing. And then that really creeps me out. <laughs> and, uh, while watching this, I was thinking of, um, HH Holmes, um, you know, he was yeah. America's first Yoko and everything. And his like famous quote right before they hung him was like, I've had the devil inside me since I was a child. It's something like that. And I was just like, Ooh, <laughs> <It's just kinda laughs> maybe Azazel was hopping around in his body for a while and then uh, worked his way to <laughs> New York. I don't know. Right. Well, yeah. Cause we, we, we find out that Azazel is one of the fallen angels that was cast from heaven. And on top of, just being cast from from heaven, they got the additional, um, I guess, curse that they couldn't even have a a, a form here on, on Earth. So now they just jump around from body to body, and the only way they can can transfer is th- through touch or anywhere they can get through with the with the last breath, which we already mm-hmm. talked about the, the five hundred cubits. And did uh, did anybody look into Azazel by any chance? I, you know, I actually didn't this time. Um, I, I remember Googling the name when we watched it in college um, and trying to see what uh, where they got, if that was a biblical reference name. But, I, I, you know, I actually mm-hmm. forgot to look into him this time. So Azazel is from the Book of Enoch. Um, and he is usually associated with the scapegoat rite, uh, where, you know, uh, during Yom Kippur, where people, they would, I think it was two goats, they would, they would, get two goats they would um pretty much take on all the sins of the of the of the nation or of uh, israel and then they would send them off into into the wilderness which is where later on it came uh, came out to be that azazel is the the what is it the spirit of the wilderness yeah yep which which is what they say say in the in the in the movie um it comes out it the, the Zazel is part of Hebrew Christian, not so much Christian, but Christian Judaism and Islamic culture. Right. It comes out in different different things like that. 
Um, I think he was a cool disagree? one to pull on. Greg, yeah. <laughs> you were going to say something? I was going to say, I'm need to go into the basement and, and, and see what's written on the wall downstairs. So, I mean, just go fuck down the wall. <laughs> yeah, you might want to check. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, generations live in this house. I don't know. It's not there. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a... I'm in a house that's over a hundred years old too. When we when we bought the house, I found a mason jar that was sealed with nothing inside. So we got rid of that real quick. Didn't open it inside, you know. <laughs> At least you didn't, you didn't find any teeth or anything like that. No, yeah, no. But I was just like, oh, what is sealed in this jar? It looks like air, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so that went in the garbage. <laughs> so Azazel also appears in Marvel comics. We see him in the X-Men movies as well. Well, uh, one movie, actually, in First Class. Oh, yeah, because uh, he's, uh, he's Nightcrawler's dad, right? Yeah. At least yeah. in the comics. I don't know if they were going for that in the movies, but he has the same powers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he, yeah, he pretty, much, he pretty much looks like Nightcrawler. So I, I don't whether they were going to take it that way or not. He did appear in the First, in the first, uh, first Class. Well, <laughs> in the First Class movie. Um, so he is, right. he is well-known in... In pop culture, well, even if we don't know uh, where it came from, um, I'm actually looking into what what other things he's he's come out in. Um, if anything you keep that I can looking, you're gonna find him, Soul. And if you find him, he's gonna come after you. Hide your Azazel. good works. <laughs> <laughs> Azazel's also in the film The House with the Clock in the Walls, uh, which I believe is just the one that came out right with uh, with with uh, um, what's his name. Yeah, I think Jack Black is in it, right? <laughs> Jack Black, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Which because um, that was yeah. a book series. Um, I never read it, but I remember one of my friends in middle school was big into that series. He had a couple of them. Interesting. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, he, he's come out in quite, quite a thing. He's come out of quite a bit, but I'm trying to just try to find things that I might have um, have seen or, or, or know of. He was uh, Azazel is the name of the final boss in, in Tekken Six, but I don't know if it really is uh, it's supposed <laughs> okay. to be him. <laughs> totally legit. You got to fight supernatural, supernatural wilderness demon, scapegoat, and 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 win. It's, yeah, it's a hard one to do. You beat them, <laughs> and then you run six hundred cubits or quibbies. Right. I don't know. And you gotta you gotta it's, fight it's him a in a fighting game without getting touched. So yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> if, if, if you if you like Denzel and you're untouchable, if you're like John Hobbs and and he can't enter you, but it can enter something else in that last breath because you're more powerful at that point, then you have to you have to outwit them, outlast and survive. Wait, do we Neil Gaiman podcast? <laughs> Neil Gaiman Sandman. <laughs> uh, Neil Gaiman Sandman actually has a Zazel as well. Okay. So, yeah, so um, there's a couple of things there. Like I said, there's quite a bit of other pop culture and, and uh, media that has them. It just, I, I only listed the ones that I might have already been uh, aware of or have heard of. So uh, he is he is around, <laughs> either literally or, or figuratively. Well, time's on his side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's been around. Um, He's been around. The so I, I think we touched it a little bit. Touched just on it a little bit, but um, the, his song. Um, what what'd you guys think each time that, that that song was being hummed? Oh, I loved it. I think that was a great motif because it's um, at, at least still as of right now, it's still a song that most people recognize and know. 
But whenever you see a horror movie where something like normal or innocuous is taken by the monster and used and it kind of creeps you out, like I think that's even creepier because it's not a creepy song. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well, two two examples of it. One of them less less uh, horror like, but um, and when Age of Ultron came out, when he when he starts singing um, "No Strings on Me," yes, but they but they kind of distorted it, make it creepy, and uh, they just made it look a lot more sinister than what it really what it really was. Or and then um, in Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll go back to. Oh, I was just thinking in in, in um, the first Insidious movie, the the red faced demon or some of the ghosts like they danced. Uh, they they always run around to that frolicking through the tulips song. It's mm-hmm. like that 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 old song. Um, I I only remember it from SpongeBob. I'm dating myself again. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's a it's an older song that's not supposed to be creepy at all. But they make it super creepy because it's just like the high pitch warbly like falsetto voice singing and like as the demons like grinding shit in his little hell base or as the kids running through the house it's a ghost oh is it and uh, the the uh, tip tulips is that yes that's the one i don't yeah. remember it. yeah it's uh i want to say um uh tiny tim on his little tiny guitar <laughs> <laughs> the the one i was i was i was thinking of was um the autopsy of jane doe i don't know if you've seen that one uh, uh, I know what you're speaking of. Where all of a sudden you hear the let the sun shine in. Let the sun shine in. Uh, and it, from what I understand, that's an old, 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 old song. Um, now, even um, in the, it even came out in the Flintstones with, with the Pebbles singing it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. when, when and, that, and, that, and that particular movie, they don't do anything, any effects to the, to the song itself. Yeah. It's just like when it's played, at the moment it's played, you're like, "What the heck?" <laughs> yep. So it, it gives you, it, it just adds to the to the tension in the movie. Mm. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, it's uh, it's on Netflix, I believe, right now. Okay, I'll have to check it out. There's no finger stuff, though, right? It's all nothing uh, but fingers. There might- it's, uh, 59 minutes of, of it's a finger monster. Yeah, just, a, just, just a monster made of fingers and thumbs. Smash. It stars Emil Hirsch. And um, Brian Cox, and that's pre- it's pre- it's pretty much them the whole movie um, with this body in the middle of the, of the room. Okay, so interesting. Yeah, I'll so have to check it out. That was one of our first movies that we did in the podcast with with the my original um, my, with my original cast uh, co-host. So, so yeah, I would I'll recommend if you guys want to if you guys want to then go go listen to us there. We're way like. Um, I think it was like episode four. Like that. Um, yeah. Well, episode four kind of, kind of how does, what is that word? Canonically? Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. say that word. Yeah. There's a lot of words I can't say. And I try to say, it and then I can just butcher them. Um, <laughs> but um, I think in the, I think in the, in the list of podcasts, I think it ends up being like number two. Cause some of them got out of order when we switched um, hosts. Over. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it it's, it's there. It's there. Yeah, you, you'll know that you'll see the difference, or you'll listen to the d- difference pretty quickly as far as from way back oh, okay. then to now. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, what I was gonna say is, I guess um, we, you, Chris, you already you already kind of talked about it. 
overall, I guess, legacy of the film, I I think a movie is is brilliantly made. I think it's it's fun to watch, and I think that it is a a movie that people slept on. Um, I slept on it for what since ninety eight now, almost uh, twenty years, almost a little bit twenty two years now, right? Um, so it sucks that people didn't, didn't get to watch this. My theory on why this didn't, didn't, um, take off bigger when it first came out was that first of all, it was, it was one of the, I'm guessing it's one of the, those films that people didn't think it was going to be two hours long. It's, uh, back, back in 98, I feel like most of the movies were an hour and hour and a half at the most. So it was yeah. longer than what people usually thought. And it was a lot, like I said, it, it reminded me like the cop procedural that was on so much back in the day. Yeah. And then the way it ended, and we'll talk about the, the way that, the way it ended. A lot of people don't like to see the way um, where the villains win or live. And for some reason, they, they, they judge the movie based on how they feel whether good or bad should win. Yeah. Um, and you guys tell me if you, you think that if you want to add to that, or if you, you think I'm, I'm a little off on that. No, I, I think that that's fair. Um, cause I, I mean, I, I, I get that feeling too sometimes where I'm just like, Oh man, it like, it doesn't invalidate the story, but when you're invested in the story, I feel like you get this point of almost like minor depression when it's over because you can kind of pretend in your head, like, okay, even though the movie's over, the world keeps going. These two end up getting together. Like we were talking about, like maybe the romantic subplot would have been there if it had ended differently. And um, I feel like that's kind of a natural thing. If you get attached to a character that you kind of almost assume what's going to happen after the story stops. And uh, with this type of ending, well, you don't get that satisfaction. So, (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, like what, and and I think this is probably what might have done it when I was younger was that it, it had that lingering feeling like oh it's still out there, and that was that. Watching it again though, I think what what kind of frustrated me, and this is from a different perspective. This is this is like something that like it 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 this is the what irks me. But it doesn't. It, I'm not gonna say it's gonna you know ruin it for anybody else. Man, unless it does. But you've got Denzel or Hobbs, the Hobbs character, narrating the beginning of like this is how this is how I almost died, right? And mm-hmm. then you get through the whole entire thing, and he dies. But that was him narrating the portion of how he almost died. So how did he narrate that if he died? Is well, I guess should I ruin it? <laughs> I, I guess I'd rather ruin it right now because it's Zazel, right? Yeah. Um, but did we get to say something? But oh no, so, no, go ahead. So oh. Hobbs's voice is Zazel's voice. Yeah, that's how I took it. Yeah, because the thing is that sometimes when he would take over somebody, Zazel's voice would still come out. But sometimes when it when it was like someone else, um, the the regular person's voice would come out. So it was very inconsistent with that part, but I think it's more of Zazel trying to hide hide himself or show himself to Hobbs to show that that is him. So he, the same voice would come out. Yeah, and okay. I but, I feel like maybe he's telling the story as the cat, maybe, and since the cat doesn't have a voice, he's using the last <laughs> body that he the last body that he hijacked. Um, 
but he couldn't I mean, hijack that body. Like, I because usually this, I don't like voiceovers. Me, but this is me going into the logic of, of of it because if if Hobbs poisons himself and he can't be taken over because there's no way that Azazel could take him over and he has to take over a different body at the end. Well, first of all, the way I took over. it, he took him over till he actually dies and then he looks for the cat. Yeah, because that's why Hobbs threw the keys, uh, so that when Azazel took him over, he couldn't get into the car to get closer to other people. Because then, as he's like choking on the cyanide cigarette or whatever, he's like digging around for the keys, but he he dies before he gets his hands on him. So I felt like Azazel was in him at that point, and he's like, because he gets all their memories, so he knows where the keys got thrown, but he's still got to try to find them in the snowdrift and. Um, and then and then he dies and has nowhere to Which go. Which is a good plan. A good plan by, by Hobbs, right? Um, if he's going to take him out, take him out where so no one, he can get anybody. I would have thought the last voice we would have heard was the, the animal voice. That's what I'm saying. You're going to hear meow, 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 meow. Exactly. And that's, that's why I was, I, was, and that's, I guess it's continuity sticking is where I was, I was just lost i'm not a i'm not a fan (laughs) i'm not a fan of the intro monologue or voiceover saying this is how i died or this is how i i um almost died or there was a movie i forgot the name of it it was about drug dealers and uh blake lively came out i think i'm not sure who else i don't know (laughs) no no no. uh it's savages Savages, yes, yes, yeah. savages, and the whole it just feels like they're they're they were lying to everybody the whole time because it ends up being one of those scenes where it's like, oh, this is how it could have happened, and and I kind of feel like that kind of pulled over, and I that's another one of the things that I feel like this this is what happened to where people didn't either understand the ending or they didn't appreciate the ending, and that doesn't take away from the rest of the film. I still feel like the film is 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 still is still great. I just think those little changes, if they would have not have started with that at the beginning, um, and then just show the cat coming out, because we already saw that he can get into a cat earlier in the film. Right, they right? platformed so, that about halfway through. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, if if they would have shown shown Hobbs like die, and then you see the POV shot, and then all of a sudden you see the cat come out, and everybody would have ended that way, just like right there. I think that would have been a lot more impactful to the to the ending because you don't have you don't have to baby us in a way to show to let us know what happened. Let us figure it out, you know. Let us figure out what's going gonna how it ended. Yeah, and I because I kind of understand they were using the voiceover to tie it into the twist at the end, and they wanted to kind of be like, oh, gotcha. You you thought because he was narrating that he survived or whatever, but it was actually mm-hmm. Azazel. But overall, I, I still don't really like the voiceover and I don't like voiceovers in general. Um, I felt like this was like a like a Blade Runner situation where they need to do another cut with no voiceover. <laughs> ah, <so laughs> yeah, I, I could I, I would I would be all for that. I mean, I that's I'm just one of those people that likes the through line of like the, the clean the clean it's not that i not that i not that i didn't understand it not that i it's just that i i i just i like it clean i want him to i want i think Zazel to walk away as a cat i don't need it <laughs> I, mean, I, I need, <laughs> well, you I know need how, that but i don't need the voice 
Yep. You know how they uh, they do the the test the test screenings, and I wonder if it did end that way originally, and then someone was like, "I don't get it," uh, so they had indeed. to add all that into it just to kind of like, "Oh, people are not going to get it." You know yeah. that that really could be possible, like a Blade Runner situation, because I felt like Denzel was kind of phoning it in a little bit. Like that's the only part of his performance that wasn't rock solid, and I don't know if it was because he was trying to do an Azazel voice or what, but the way that. He just sounded like kind of uninterested in the voiceover part. I felt mm-hmm. like anyway, um, and maybe that's why because maybe he was like, "Oh, it doesn't need this. I don't. I'm gonna half-ass this." Because that's what Harrison Ford famously did with Blade Runner was half-ass the voiceover because he thought it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, that no, that makes a lot of sense. So I think you're, I think you're totally on with that because that 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 point because when you're watching the beginning of the movie, character-wise, it doesn't sound like the Hobbs that we follow through the whole movie or it doesn't, it doesn't even sound, it doesn't sound like either of those two characters. It just sounds, it sounds like a mixture of, of Hobbs and, and um, I keep forgetting the, the circular name. Reese. Uh, Reese. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's, and it's not true to either. So it's kind of like, eh, <laughs> it's a mismatch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and maybe, maybe that's what it ended up being. What, what, um, doomed the film more than anything than what I said before. <laughs> um, I just, I just think that that would have been a more impactful ending if, if they would have ended with the cat coming out without, yeah. without any of the voiceover. Could have just been that internal fight between the two of them. That's why he, yeah. that's why he sounded so muddled. He was internally fighting with Azazel. <laughs> ah, that could be. Damn it. Okay. I know I like it. Now I like it. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> one thing we, one thing we didn't talk about was why couldn't he get into into Hobbs's body? Is it because he's inherently good, or because he was one of the chosen to fight the demons? Okay, that's interesting because um, I, I was wondering that while I was watching it, and I don't know if it's just because he's inherently good because there's other people that Azazel jumps into that seem to be just as pure, if not more so than Hobbs. Like, he jumps into those kids. I mean, are you going to argue that those kids are, like, worse (laughs) than Hobbs, you know? Right. But I felt like this movie, and this was a cool, it's more of a feature than a bug. Um, This movie had, like, some kind of crazy world building, I feel like, in the background that they don't get into at all. And, like, when Greta's like, there's like this collection of people that know about these things and fight them. And we, we communicate like it almost sounds like there's like a club of demon hunters, but it's a lot more informal and they just share information and like warn each other. But yeah. the movie never goes down that path. It just kind of shows you like, Hey, this is, this movie is the tip of the iceberg. And I think that was kind of neat. Um, you know, I'm back and forth on whether or not you should explain some of those things or not. I guess it depends on the narrative. And in this case, they didn't need to. Um, true. But I feel like the Hobbs not being able to be entered is one of those things where the writer probably has an idea of why, but did not spell it out because it's not knowledge that the characters would ever gain access to. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of neat. It, it kinda, so yeah, the only way you can get into Hobbs is through the, through the breath, right? Right, because he's fighting for his life, which I, I did think that was a little hokey because it's like, so the demon suddenly has extra power he can tap into because he's panicked. Like, why wouldn't he just be able to channel that anytime? But, you know, I mean, suspend your disbelief, I guess. That's the rules that they made, so. <laughs> Greg? 
It, I was going to say it's in the script. That's how it works. Uh, I, I, don't, <laughs> uh, I, I, there's, there's a numerous, there's numerous different ways to look at it. And I think like, you know, it just really comes down to, um, maybe it, it is just because of the inherent goodness that he, that he does retain. Um, he does seem like a, a person who is, is working towards all these things that are, that are inherently good. Maybe it could it could have been because of the uh, um, the way that they were fighting against each other, uh, or you know, the two opposite sides of, of a thing uh, for such a long time that they that there was that they, they could not inhabit the same space in that in that time frame. Um, if that makes sense, right? So while Hobbs was uh, hunting down the uh, uh, the Reese character. Uh, that's they they built up this he built up an immunity to him right <laughs> i don't know but okay yeah no i i mean that's probably just as valid as anything else because we don't they don't spell it out so it's open yeah. to interpretation and i i think that's kind of cool they had like so a the, batman joker thing <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly because the thing is that azazel could have just left him alone at any point and it almost killed him keep going after going after him but it's more that, like what um, Greta said, if you know about him, he, he wants to shut you up. He wants you to not not know about him. So he's going to go after you. Do you think Azazel tracks Greta and uh, Hobbs' nephew down? Do you think he would let him go? Or do you think he's going to now focus on trying to find them? Uh, well, I, think, he, I think he made it very clear that that's what the intent was when they're in the cabin. Like, I'm going to go find them. And that was where the, the, the rest of the, the fight ensued was like, no, you're not. And, you know, Zazel was like, ah, I can and I will. <laughs> I just almost wonder if he had like a begrudging respect for Hobbs coming so close to killing him that he'll be like, all right, I'll let you have this little uh, consolation prize. Maybe that'll be a fanfic I'll come up with. <laughs> so when I was watching it on on Prime, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Prime kind of gives you like little trivia things. Every if you move the mouse, if it's on the computer or whatever, it gives you kind of a little trivia to the side. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't they call and, it X-ray or something? Yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that came up because I was tr- trying to figure out what time it, what time it was when I was watching. I watched it late. Yeah. Um, it, they told me that the John Hobbs character came from um, Thomas Hobbs and John Locke, with Thomas Hobbs thinking that men are inherently evil and need to be constrained while Locke thought that men are, are thinking rational creatures and they're able to coexist. So that's the two things that we're trying to figure out in this movie. So that's why they gave him the name John Hobbs. Uh, okay. All right. That's kind of clever. I like that. Um, so yeah, so all in all, um, Chris, uh, I know thoughts on, 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 um, on fallen. Um, I, I really like it. I still think it holds up. Um, you know, it's not like we were talking earlier. It's not like jump scares and stuff, but it does have a very eerie, tense atmosphere that builds throughout the film pretty effectively. And I think anybody that's into, like you said, police procedural detective stuff. I mean, if you like seven or any of those kind of movies, I think you'll find something to enjoy. And if you do like horror movies and that supernatural element, um, I I mean, I think you're going to find something to like in this movie too. So overall still one of my favorites. Greg, I would say if you're uh, if you've got somebody on the edge of watching horror movies, but they, they they're kind of like dabbling and uh, you want to give them something that's going to going to be suspense filled and uh, somewhat, you know, uh, got that that 
I think that might give him a little push over the edge and leave him with a, a little a little scary feel afterwards. This is definitely a way to go. Uh, there's there's a lot of fun stuff that that can be derived and, and great conversation as we as we have had currently, and I'm pretty sure we'll have a lot of people coming back with comments as uh, um, this is there's there's a lot of meat left on the bone to discuss. So um, definitely this is something if you want to have a nice discussion, um, you can definitely watch this and have that. Yeah, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised because I did not, I had not seen this movie, and I enjoyed it. I was while I was watching, I was like, "Man, this is a really good movie. It's really well shot. Uh, great actors, great. Um, I that was a great, great uh, story. Uh, a couple, a little uh, stumbles here and there, but I don't think it takes away from the overall movie. I can see, I can see where some people might." not enjoy the way it, it, you know those little stumbles that I, that I'm that I talked about already but in, in the end those little um thing little aspects of the film did not take away the overall enjoying this enjoyment of the film and I would encourage anybody who has not seen it to um to go ahead and watch it and you will finally see that uh, relieved Denzel Washington <laughs> gif uh which is which is the the um the article that you sent us right <laughs> Right, um, <laughs> the article that inspired this, this episode, right? And they were saying the same thing. They were like, "This is a movie that a lot of people, for some reason, haven't seen, and uh, you should see it." So, I mean, I I have to agree with the uh, writer of the article. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, I want to thank thank Chris for for joining us. Uh, any anything else you wanted to uh, let us know about? Anything that we can look forward to um, in the future? Well, um, check out my website, darktidingspress.com. Um, you can look up Dark Tanks Press on Facebook. I update that more frequently. Um, there's going to be more horror content coming from us down the road. We've got awesome. a middle-grade horror book out uh, called The Grave on Deacon's Peak. Um, and that one's not just for kids, though. Um, I mean, I read it first, obviously, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there's actually by an author that's in your neck of the woods, so um, Brian Babel. He lives in Texas somewhere. Um, oh, cool. And then we'll have more stuff with our comic for Discordia. And I've got, like I said, I've got this horror script that I've decided rather than try to make it into a movie, I'll just turn it into a novel. Um, it's called The Things That Walk Before. That'll probably come out within the next 12 months. I'm just wrapping up my fantasy trilogy and then I'll dive headfirst into that one. So if you like nice, horror, nice. we will we will keep you satisfied but uh, definitely we've got more fantasy offerings at the moment, but pretty soon it'll be even. And if you guys are, if this is the first episode you guys are listening to go back into the catalog. We just uh, reviewed. They live um, the thing uh, grabbers. Uh, what else did we do? Rabbit. Rabbit was what, what was a uh, uh, a crazy well, one. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the early Cronenberg um, films. Uh, so it's yeah, kinda, it's, it, um, it's nice to jump back into the seventies. We 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 go the whole gamut, if you will. Seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, hit it all. So yeah, yeah go back. Um, as of right now, they live hasn't appeared, but it will actually come out uh, shortly after uh, at the at the moment of this of this uh, recording. So you'll be able to find that by then. Um, so yeah. So you guys let us know what, what you think of the podcast um, rate review um, on iTunes. Uh, that helps us get the word out. 
We might have a, a little shake up here in the podcast uh, coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks. We'll give more information on that as as as, as it happens, and and um, just just stay tuned. Let us know what you guys want, want us to to watch. Um, if you're a indie creator, uh, so Chris, and then when your your novel's about to come out, just let us know. We'll be more than happy to have you back to talk about it, yeah. so we can um, to to go over it. And uh, like I said, if you're an indie creator, indie, uh, whether it be a novel, a comic book, um, anything, indie, indie um, film, film uh, director, just let us know if you guys want to come on the, the show. We'll be more than happy to, to interview you all and talk about I'll talk about your project, uh, maybe even do a, a review um, along with that as well. And we'll be and we'll we're, we're always looking for for guests to come on the show. We're going to go ahead and leave it there, guys, and we'll see you guys next time on Nerf Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.